Welcome to the PreparedX podcast, your complete source for crisis, emergency, business continuity and security preparedness interviews, news, and much more. Now, your host, he creates chaos for a living, Rob Burton. Hello, and welcome to episode 79 of the PreparedX podcast. I'm your host, Rob Burton. It's great to be uh, back with you again. Uh, today, I'm going to be covering three areas of cybersecurity preparedness and response that need improvement. And these areas come from our experience with doing uh, many cybersecurity, uh, cyber breach, call it what you will, um, exercises over uh, the last four or five years uh, for our customers. So um, I'll be going into some uh, some of those areas that um, always seem to come up in terms of opportunities for improvement. And I'll start on those in a second here. Uh, just before I do, though, I would like to uh, just mention uh, our first look product. Uh, this is a self-guided exercise that you and your team can walk through. Uh, we give you all the tools, a um, couple of tools anyway, that um, allow you to walk through this exercise. Um, it's essentially a scenario that we develop for you um, and you walk through the steps of uh, responding to the scenario as uh, a team. Um, you don't need any experience uh, to do this. Um, we guide you through it. Um, there's audio uh, within a, a deck that guides you through the each individual section of the scenario. Uh, typically, these run between 90 minutes and two hours for you as a team. You can take uh, longer if you need to. Um, we had one that was done recently, I think that ran over three or four hours, um, and they so they stretched it out a little. Um, but um, yeah, you can uh, take a look at that product if you go to our website, preparedx.com. Go to our services page and just scroll down there. You'll see some more information. You can download the fact sheet um, as well as a sample deck that'll give you an idea of how those um, scenarios uh, pan out. So uh, take a look at that if you get an opportunity. Um, first look um, might be a great starting point for you, or if you're a team that's busy but still wants to do something, uh, you can offload um, most of the work to us and uh, we'll put those scenarios together for you. Okay, on to today's podcast. Uh, three areas of cybersecurity preparedness and response that need improvement. And as I previously uh, mentioned there, again, comes from um, the experience that we've gained um, over the last, you know, five or six years where we've been really focused um, on a top three scenarios and one of those being cyber. I certainly see that um, continuing uh, as being probably number one now. If I was to categorize um, the top three, um, it would be right there at the top. Anyway, I'm going to cover three areas that we often see um, that come out of these exercises where teams identify uh, opportunities. And, you know, some, some areas of opportunities are unique to that organization. And other areas are, um, you know, fairly uh, common, if you will, amongst uh, different organizations. And they could be in the same sector, it could be the, you know, banking sector, uh, it could be oil and gas, um, it could be um, a number of different sectors, tech as well as a big one, um, as it relates to insurance as well, as it relates to, um, you know, common uh, cybersecurity uh, opportunities for improvement and gaps found during um, exercises as well as, you know, real events. 
So the first one is the activation of the incident management team um, or the crisis management team. Again, there is different terminology. Uh, you know, I've seen different terminology in the same sectors. I've seen uh, different terminology from sector to sector, but um, could be an incident management team. So we're talking about a cross-functional team that comes together uh, that includes legal, includes human resources, communications, of course, um, IT as well. Uh, and so this is the team that comes together uh, based on some information that's been provided um, from information technology, from the CERT team, the cyber incident response team, uh, which might be working um, on an issue. So activation of that team. Um, so, you know, some of the questions that come out of this um, and some of the opportunities for improvement, um, I'm going to go through here. Um, so what is the trigger for activation of that team? So um, is it the CERT team that make that call? Um, again, each company uh, does this uh, differently, each organization. Um, is there someone um, that makes that decision um, based on information? Is this on, this, on the crisis management team or the incident management team? Is that information fed through um, to the leader um, of that team, uh, the incident commander? And then they say, okay, now it's time to activate the large group within the organization so we need to bring that cross-functional team together now based on where we're currently at so what's the trigger for that you know that needs to be really ironed out so you're very it's very clear on um what those triggers are or what that trigger is um who makes the call to activate um so you know in in conjunction with what the trigger is you know who is that leader um what is that team that you know makes that recommendation and then it goes to you know another leader potentially at the uh crisis management level to say yes um this is the right call to make now let's bring that team together um, and then we go on to how it's how the team is activated. So we've made that decision. We have those that trigger. Um, we have made the call to activate the team uh, based on our process. Um, how is the team then activated? So what is that process? Um, do you have technology that supports that trigger? Um, you know, is you know, in some organizations that's still not as advanced on the tech front, you I mean, might be might be using a text or WhatsApp group is something common that we um, sometimes hear. But um, if you do have technology, then you know, who's responsible for that for making sure that the team is activated and brought together? Um, so who is on the IMT should have, or the crisis management team should have already been worked out, right? So, you know, we know we've got that cross those cross-functional leaders on the team, um, and we know that they have to be activated. Um, so they already know who's going to be coming onto the team and who, who's their backup as well, just in case, uh, the primary lead for that particular functional role might not be available. So, uh, backups made aware as well. Um, and then in addition to this, so as this is unfolding, um, you know, in, in fairly quick time, you know, again, depending on the severity of this event, you know, is this happening on the same day? Is this happening within the first uh, few hours of that decision being made to bring the team together? Or is it sooner? Or is it for tomorrow? You know, say, okay, okay, we've got something going on. We'll have our first brief in the morning. Um, so who's responsible for managing that first briefing cycle um, and the ongoing briefing cycles? So that's really important. It's often a, um, a gap that, um, you know, um, can be improved upon in terms of that process. So bringing that team together and managing that process, and that includes uh, the tools and resources required to manage that briefing cycle. So we're moving on a little bit now into the response. We've activated the team, um, but we need to now 
we need now to coordinate that response. So um, who's responsible for managing the briefing cycle uh, and what tools do they have in order to help manage that process? Um, have they practiced those tools? Uh, are they familiar with those tools? So one of the gaps we often see is that there may be some tools in the toolkit or in the plan uh, but we often see that even during exercises, which is a great opportunity to get those tools out and utilize those tools, but sometimes we'll see that that doesn't take place. Um, so if you're not using them during training, um, you, you know, quite often you might not use them during real events, or if you use them during real events, you should also use them um, in training. So to make sure we can kind of perfect those tools or at least get familiar with them. If we've got new members on the team, they need to understand what those tools and resources are as well. So that's it for uh, activation um, of the IMT. That's the first um, area. The second one I'm going to move on to um, is the playbooks or uh, the incident management plans, the crisis management plans. So plans in general, really. And again, for the cross-functional team, it's really the understanding of roles and responsibilities uh, based on those playbooks, based on those plans versus reality. So that's why it's important that those playbooks, and again, this is often a gap, um, are out and available during your exercises. <clears throat> of course, are made available and accessible during real events as well, but certainly during your training exercises, uh, you know, having those uh, plans out and, you know, making sure that uh, individuals understand their roles and responsibilities. Now, they really should understand those before you get to the exercise, before you obviously be, before you respond to a real um, cyber event or any event, really. Um, but as it relates to cyber specifically, you know, it's really important that we come together in a training um, environment before we get to the exercise. Exercise. And certainly, again, like I said, before we get to responding to uh, a real breach um, where we're running around um, like headless chickens. So having some calm um, during that, um, those first few days, those first few moments, um, you know, only comes through practice, only comes through understanding um, what our roles are. So it's really important that those uh, playbooks are understood. Um, so who manages the um, playbooks, the plans? Um, that often is not the um, individuals that are actually responding or responsible for those roles and responsibilities. So it's important that, you know, whoever's put the plan together um, and managing the plan um, at least at uh, you know, transfers that, you know, information and that knowledge across. And again, that can be done through, uh, through the training. That's really important because it's often not um, the leader uh, who's responsible uh, for the, his or her particular uh, functional role. Uh, they often don't, um, you know, are not part of that process. And, you know, it's, it's, um, it's important that they, if, if possible, they are part of that process. So they understand from the very beginning um, what their roles are, but sometimes that's not the case. A big one as it relates to playbooks as well and plans is the documentation of training and exercises. Uh, again, it's something that's um, quite often missing when we uh, start the exercise process. We'll ask for training documentation as it relates to the plan. Uh, we'll ask for exercise reports, after action reports or ARs as they are uh, sometimes referred to. Um, we'll often uh, ask for those and I can tell you um, often uh, they are either missing 
missing or uh, there's certainly not as much detail um, as there could be as it relates to that. And, um, and again, training is a big area, a big push that we're looking towards uh, in 2021 in terms of helping our customers um, better prepare uh, their teams as it relates to responding to cyber events as well as other events. But um, uh, today, as we're talking about cybersecurity, um, certainly it's a, it, you know, it's an area that, um, you know, could do with improving in. Again, it takes time, um, you know, to get people up to speed um, on their processes, on their response capabilities, on the gaps that they have, but um, really important that uh, we prepare those teams. And again, um, you're not preparing specifically for an exercise. You're obviously preparing for a real event, but, um, you know, you want to do your exercises as well um, becomes really important. So there's just a couple of uh, areas uh, or gaps within um, the, the planning or the playbooks or the plans um, as it relates to uh, gaps uh, and areas for our opportunities for improvement. Okay, that was uh, number two. Moving on to number three, um, one again that comes up often is uh, stakeholder management. So who are your stakeholders? Do you know who those stakeholders are during a cyber incident specifically? Um, you know, if you do, um, do you have a good relationship with them? What's that relationship look like? Is it a strong relationship? How critical are those uh, stakeholder relationships, those specific relationships that you have? Um, when was the last time you spoke to those individuals, coordinated with them? Um, what about if you're not available uh, and you're a critical link to that? that stakeholder and you're not available for whatever reason um, during those first few days, um, hours, whatever it may be. So who's your alternate that has that re that relationship with the stakeholder? So make sure, as always, in every position, we talk about this often, as always, yours should have a backup um, for your particular uh, role or area of responsibility. Um, a big part of this um, is also, and again, a, a gap that we see um, is um, having a stakeholder register or some kind of document that details uh, the relationship uh, between uh, the response team and that um, entity or individual. Um, so often in there, you know, who that individual is, who owns the relationship, so and who's backing up, as I mentioned, making sure that we have a an alternate um, backup to that relationship. Of course, contact information, how to get a hold of that individual is really important. Um, information and notes on the relationship itself. So what's the relationship like? When was the last time you coordinated with them? What was said? I think that's really important information uh, that helps. Of course, include them, uh, if possible, in exercises and document that uh, they participate in exercises, if and where possible. That grows that confidence and trust uh, amongst those stakeholders. Again, you may not want every stakeholder in the room, you know, who's critical based on the scenario, based on the exercises that you're running. You know, do you want to share training information with them as well? Again, it all builds relationship. You know, all builds that strength and relationship uh, with them. Some are more important than others. Others, of course. Um, you know, um, you know, as it relates to um, understanding, you know, who should be coordinated with. Um, you you have regularly, certainly here in the U.S. and certainly I'm sure it's the same uh, throughout certain other parts of the world as well. You have you know local or state or regulatory bodies at the federal level 
that need to be um, coordinated with as re- as well as uh, industry groups, uh, industry regulators that um, you know need um, you know coordinating with during the early parts of or certainly within a certain time frame um, coordination with regards to you know a breach. Uh, there's certain information that needs to be passed along typically. You know, so who are they? Do you have strong relationships with them? Do you understand what information needs to be shared? Um, you know, you need to make them your partners. Uh, you need to try and have a strong relationship with them to make it easier uh, when you do have to respond to them. And what about other groups, uh, such as your employees, critical uh, components, and some would say uh, your number one stakeholder. So um, the, the relationship there with the employees who owns that relationship, typically a human resources um, element there to that in terms of uh, ownership of that group. Um, your customers, uh, what about investors? Um, what about others uh, specific um, to your particular industry or organization, especially organization? Who are they um, and what role do they play? Um, if you don't understand who they are, I can tell you this comes up often in exercises. We often identify even with refined teams um, who uh, have been doing this for many years. They often find opportunities uh, to add to their stakeholder list. Uh, but if you don't understand at this stage, um, a good exercise to go through is to get get the team around the table, cross-functional team, and understand um, that if you had some kind of event, um, breach, um, some kind of cyber event, um, who would need to be coordinated with? What are those groups? Who are they? Um, understand that ahead of time is going to save you a lot of time um, and a lot of embarrassment potentially as well uh, later on. So again, um, you know, really important that you have a good understanding of your stakeholders uh, during a cyber event. So there you have it. Um, really short one today, um, but there are three areas that we see as it relates to preparedness and response um, for cybersecurity that need uh, improvement. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed this uh, podcast today. If you did and you listened to this on any of the uh, outlets, we'd love to uh, hear your feedback and love for you to share the podcast uh, with your peers. Um, and uh, we appreciate you as always listening into uh, this podcast. Uh, until next time, um, we will sign off and we will see you on what will be episode 80 next. Um, can't believe we've got to 80. Thanks again for your time. We appreciate it. Mm-hmm.